of the living geek. So, right now, we're some 50 days into Donald Trump's presidency. And it seems to me that most of the panic has subsided. In my view, uh, the fact that Donald Trump is president is a seminal turning point in American civil life. There was a tone and tenor to politics in this country before Trump was elected. And now that he is president, that tone and tenor is gone. And I don't think it's ever coming back. I think a lot of us have, rightly, thrown out what we thought was possible and impossible in American politics before. Now it's a new game with new rules that we're just beginning to figure out. And not everyone has even gotten the memo yet that it's new. What I want to talk about today is a phenomenon that I experienced in the run-up to the vote. And that was that the media and regular people on all sides were painting Trump supporters and Hillary supporters as wildly different. Yet when I, as someone who was voting for Hillary, spoke to Trump supporters, I found that we really did share a lot of the same goals and convictions for our country. After having quite a few of these conversations, I felt that there was something much deeper going on that neither political movement was actually addressing. So I thought I'd bring in people to the podcast today who came from a few different sides during this last election to see if we could get to that place on the air. So who I have today is Rochelle and Len. Uh, Rochelle, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, uh, Evan. Thanks for having me on the show today. Uh, I'm Rochelle. I live in Marin County, 34, um, have not really had a strong political background. Um, I was honestly really surprised when you asked me to be on the show, but I thought it was nice to be able to discuss things um, with people who might not... um, might have different ideas than I do, might be able to shed some light on some things or questions that I have. So I'm excited to kind of dive into the different issues that we're going to talk about today. Cool. And Len, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, I'm a resident of San Jose, a lifelong businessman still working because I lost too much money along the way. Um, I've been a lifelong Republican, uh, but I have also in certain cases voted for Democrats. I did uh, fundraisers for Chuck Reed, who was a previous mayor of San Jose, and uh, and have actually voted for the past three Democratic mayors of San Jose. So I'm really uh, oriented to certainly what I feel to be the platform of the Republican Party more, but to some individuals. And the strength of the Democratic Party in San Jose sometimes is, uh, is and some of my friends are certainly uh, influential. Uh, I'm a businessman. I've been in business for many, many years. Uh, I've had my own company. I'm currently working uh, with a startup on bringing manufacturing back to the U.S. And we think our timing should be very good since uh, Donald Trump says he's going to bring manufacturing back to the U.S. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, single, divorced. I have three kids, uh, grown, and grandkids. And so I'm very interested in what's happening to the country, what has happened in the past that I totally agreed with, disagreed with over the over the last eight years. And I'm uh, ecstatic to have Donald Trump as president. All right. And I should say something about myself. So I'm also 34. I'm married, a uh, father of a three-year-old girl. And um, I... I am the elusive middle, I guess, in the political spectrum. I um, have been following politics my entire life and mostly, but not completely, voted Democrat. But I'm uh, not registered with a political party. And 
I kind of feel like I'm up for grabs. Um, okay, so. Oh, we'll see how you feel after tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'll start with you, Rochelle. Um, were you politically involved before this election? Um, barely. Bare bones minimum. I voted for Obama when he first ran for office. I was really excited. Um, I think there was a lot of hype around um, the changes that he wanted to make. I think he just was a charismatic person in general. I tend to lead, um, lean towards uh, a more liberal perspective um, on things, um, programs that assist people. I um, worked in human services for a long time, so I think that that kind of lent my to my political views. Um, I am not religious, and I so I think that a lot of the stances that are typically taken um, by the Republican Party uh, were things that I disagreed with mentally, but I think when you put them on paper, they are not as one way or another as they might be in my head. Um, so I would say that I was um, not even registered to vote because I voted in Alaska. I was not even registered to vote in California until two weeks before the election. Um, so politi- politics have not played a major role in my life. I think probably a bit from ignorance, but also just not really feeling like my voice ever mattered. Okay. I should warn everyone that I'm going to answer these questions as well. Um, uh, but I'll go to you, Len. Uh, were you politically involved before this election? I've been very politically involved for most of my life. I worked on the first George Bush's campaign. I was living in St. Louis at the time and worked with his brother, Bucky, who was a president of a bank in St. Louis on his campaign. He ended up losing to Reagan, by the way, and Reagan became president. Uh, I'm on the... Uh, Central Committee of the Republican Party in Silicon in Silicon Valley, uh, but as an alternate, I'm not one of the, the primaries. I'm kind of in the back scenes. And uh, I stay very informed on politics. I have definitely a conservative uh, viewpoint. Um, and the thing that I probably dislike the most about you know, the liberals and the Democratic Party. Number one, I and I have to say it, I think the Democratic Party at this time is no longer the party of Kennedy. I think they, Hillary Clinton and Obama were corrupt. I think it's all going to come out. And I think they were doing great disservice to our country. So whatever I can do uh, basically to help this country by informing people of facts, not fake facts, but true facts, what's going on, I'm going to uh, try to do. All right. Um, and so to answer that question for myself, how was I politically involved, if at all? I've been following politics since I was a young kid um, to give some perspective. I mean, so the first the first presidential election I paid attention to was um, George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton and Ross Perot, that election. Um, and I followed Ross Perot really closely as a kid. Um I flirted with volunteering with Obama and never actually did. Um, And I've always wanted to get more involved in politics, but I've never seen a good avenue for me. Um, I, you know, I only 
compared to like Len, I have a much shorter time period of perspective. That being said, I don't have a lot of faith in either political party right now. And I'm, um, yeah, so I'm looking for something different. Um, so Rochelle, did you vote? I did vote. Um, I was sitting at a cafe with my best friend and we were talking about women's rights and how far we've come and whatnot. And the gentleman next to me basically asked if we were registered to vote. And I told him that it was none of his business, but he basically was like, you don't have the right to say anything unless you are going to do something about it. And I, I took that to heart and I thought, okay, well, not that I necessarily need to have my voice heard because I didn't have a strong desire to have either candidate to be president, but I, to be completely honest, I dislike Trump as a human and the things that he stands for, um, just from a human basis. And so that was motivation enough for me to not want to follow this person as a president. And so I voted this year. And Len, I assume you voted. I absolutely voted. Uh, which I've done for I don't know how many consecutive years. Uh, As I mentioned, I have voted for Democrats before. In fact, I held a fundraiser for Chuck Reed when he ran the first time, and then when he ran the second time, he called me and said, hey, Lynn, you did a fundraiser for me before. Would you do it again? I said, absolutely. Uh, So I I definitely uh, orient toward somebody if I think they're much better than the rest of the field. But uh, And I, like you, by the way, have a problem with both parties right now. And I think Trump is not the ideal Republican. Uh, I think uh, he definitely is uh, more of a figure of following public opinion and what people want. And I think he's doing an excellent job of that if you look at what he's done so far. Um, And I will stay involved in politics and I'd I'd like to see reformation of both the parties to be really honest. All right. Um, and I voted as well. Um, I've been voting every every election since I turned 18, and I turned 18 just in time to vote in the 2000 election. Um, and let's see. So I'm going to skip some of these questions that I had planned because I think we've already answered that. Um, did, did your participation in politics... Did you did your view on participation in politics change with this election? And I'll start with you, Rochelle. Yes, um, not because of the election itself. Um, I saw from the Women's March, honestly, what I hadn't ever. So I had a lot. I knew a lot of people going to the Women's March, and I had no desire to go. I thought this is. I don't understand what we're protesting. Um, but the day of it came and I, I watched and I heard people speak and I realized that with, for the first time that I can remember, I saw people stand up for what they um, wanted. They didn't just go along with what was happening. And I saw that change was possible. Since then, I um, have started reaching out to my company um, to do fundraisers to support um, uh, institutions that I believe in. And I've 
called my congressman and you know, I have done things that I've never done before because whether or not like my phone call makes a difference, I have done it. So therefore I can speak about it and I can encourage others to do those things. Um, like Planned Parenthood is something that has supported me. I am a server. I don't have health insurance and they have supported me for the past three years. Um, they're integral part in my life and I don't want to see defunding. I don't want to see, uh, that happen. And so I can do something about that by providing money for them. So I've, I, and by, uh, hopefully not having support taken for them, um, on a political scale, have I educated myself as much as I should? I don't think so, but I definitely am taking a lot more steps on a daily basis to get facts. I feel like I, I definitely feel overwhelmed on a daily basis by how many things that there are to look at, like the new healthcare act that is happening. Um, you know, like you, you look up information and there's just a wealth of it. And I don't, necessarily know how to decipher what is fact and what is not fact in these issues that are that are coming up on a weekly basis in politics so it's overwhelming but yes I'm definitely more involved than I've been in the past and how about you Len did this did anything about this election change change your view on how you participate or change how you participate in politics probably every election does <laughs> uh, depending on who's running and who are the people running for Congress, the Senate, et cetera. Uh, <clears throat> I, I was not a Trump supporter early on, by the way. I was a Ted Cruz supporter because I believe he's probably one of the smartest guys in Congress. And uh, I think uh, his conservative viewpoints match with mine. Uh, but then I saw Donald Trump sail through 17 different— and, and by the way, I read <clears throat> the book— Donald Trump, The Art of the Deal. Um, my, my son actually gave it to me uh, as a Christmas present in about 1988 or 1989. <laughs> so I've been familiar with, before you were born, <laughs> I've been familiar like, with, like you. with Donald Trump uh, for a long time. Uh, I've been a fan of his. I didn't like some of the things he did early on in the campaign. So, uh, And then I saw things that... Uh, the Republican Party was doing. I didn't like the leaders of the Republican Party and wanted to see him moved. And we got rid of John Boehner. And uh, I'd like to get rid of Mitch McConnell. Uh, and I'd like to see people that are more interested in what's good for the American people rather than what's good for themselves. I think uh, we have in Congress and in uh, politics people that stay around. And I'm, I'm very strong for term, term limits. And I believe uh, if we did term limits, we'd uh, avoid having people stay around and say the right things, but not not always follow through on them. So this uh, election, probably more than any, caused me to think, maybe like you do, that uh, we need reformation on the part of bo both parties. Uh, and I, I never, ever was going to support Hillary. I couldn't uh, because I know too much about Hillary <laughs> and Obama. Um, but trying to figure out who I was going to support uh, in the Repo Republican Party, I changed. And I changed, actually, based on following Donald Trump. Uh, I didn't like some of the things he was doing and saying, like a lot of people. Uh, but when I saw people coming out to the Trump rallies uh, and 
violence, which is still going on. The people who are opposing Trump are violent. Are they being paid? I think they are. Some of them, not all of them. But Ted Cruz came out one time and said, <clears throat> pardon me, said uh, do, that uh, Donald Trump was responsible for the violence going on. And I said, that, I'm, I'm through with you, because that was absolutely not true. Donald Trump was doing nothing to promote violence. Um, so that really kind of uh, changed, you know, my looking. And I'm, st I'm looking today, by the way, I think the, the health care thing is a total disaster. I think Obamacare was a total disaster. It was never going to work. Nothing worked under Obamacare. Uh, the CBO just came out, and they at one time predicted that 20-some uh, million people would join Obamacare, and now it's under 10 million. So it, it, it's really been a disaster. I don't like what the Republicans, Republicans came out. Uh, being a senior citizen uh, and, and the fact that uh, the rates are going to go up significantly for senior citizens, that's, that's wrong. So I believe if we have people uh, deal from a totally honest position, integrity, a total understanding of what will work e economically and get good minds together, we could fix this. But there are too many self-agendas, I think, going on. All right. Um, and how, how th this election changed my view of participating in politics was really that I felt like something uh, I needed to get involved. Um, it, for me, it was just intolerable to have to, um, to be left to two candidates on election day that were so disliked by so many millions of people. Um, I feel like that, um, it's, it was more, uh, a symptom of the, the disease rather than the disease and that we really have been divided in this country and just something needed to be done. And I don't, I don't know what all needs to be done, but I know I need to be involved. And that's what shifted for me with this election. Uh, before Trump was elected, did you think he would actually win? And I'll ask that of you first, Rochelle. I didn't. Um, I actually, I, I mean, a lot of people around me were so devastated when he won. I didn't feel that way. Um, just because I don't like the person. Um, I thought, well, maybe he can do some change to uh, America. He maybe, maybe there's some things that he can do. He's, he's a very savvy businessman. He is... Uh, knowledgeable in a lot of ways and maybe he can help our economy maybe he can do these things um, but I also I I definitely didn't see it happening I didn't it, it was it was very much a shock um, I think just because of who he is he just he he is somebody who who I don't think I don't think when anyone Democratic or Republican voted for him they were like yes this is the man that I want to followed like this man is a great person but i i think that enough people um wanted to see change and there are more people who are like me who are a bit apathetic to politics who just didn't vote so i think that that had a big i think if it w i think if everything were to be done over i think that hillary would probably have won because people saw what was possible if you don't take action. 
you you don't get to have a voice if you don't do anything about it. And I think a lot of people woke up on election day and were like, I'm not going to vote because it doesn't matter. And it apparently it does. How about you, Lynn? Did you think he was going to win? So uh, <clears throat> up front, I didn't because um, I thought that I thought the election was going to be rigged, frankly, by the Democrats. And we found out it was rigged, at, at least inside the Democratic Party through uh, WikiLeaks. Um, I, I did want a Republican to win. I didn't want anything to do with the current Democratic Party, which I think was taking our country down the road to socialism. If you happen to be a socialist, I guess that's good. I'm not. Um, but along the way, <clears throat> I definitely followed Donald Trump. And knowing about him, he is a very, very brilliant guy, probably the greatest strategist we've ever had as a president. Some people don't like that, and sometimes he does it in weird ways, but he, he is a, a brilliant guy, and a guy, and all the things he's doing so far, I think, are exactly what needed to be done. Look at the stock market. Look at the people that he's put in into his cabinet, and the Democrats are fighting every single one of them. Uh, however, about two weeks before, I said he's going to win, and I, I put it in print, <laughs> and everybody said, no way. And in fact, the uh, you know the day before, somebody said, "So, Lynn, what do you think?" So, a lot of people do come to me for because they know I'm pretty pretty knowledgeable and pretty well involved. And I said, uh, "I think he will win if it's uh, a, a fair election. The only way he will not win is if it's rigged." And uh, I was uh, so I was happily surprised uh, the night election night to uh, find out that. Uh, he was winning and was going to win, and uh, you know, I, obviously, I don't think it was rigged or not enough, anyhow. Uh, but I did think toward the end that he was definitely going to win, and I thought he should, and for a lot of reasons. Uh, and and WikiLeaks certainly helped that, but but no, nothing was ever challenged that they came out with. It was all true. They, you know, so wherever it came from, maybe we still don't know. I happen to think it was leaked from uh, the DNC. I honestly believe that it was some somebody that was upset with the Democratic Party in the DNC that was leaking that to WikiLeaks. And one guy was actually killed who they thought might have been doing that. Uh, but I definitely thought he was going to win at the end. All right. Um, I... I put in print and I, I went and looked back. Um, it was October of 2015. I put on Twitter. I was like, I, I think it's possible Trump could be our next president. And I did not want Trump to be next our next president. Um, I, for whatever reason, kind of fell for the mystique of the presidency. Like you had to, you had to behave a certain way. You had to be a certain kind of person. And... Trump was such a, just a violation of that, that I didn't want to imagine him to be president. And the entire election, I had this feeling in my gut, like, no, this can't be happening. Because like I, you know, I would see all the prognosticators coming out with their predictions. And I'm like, yeah, but there's something about what's going on with Trump. I don't know what it is. And um, when it happened, my, uh, my wife has complained about this um, to me. She's like, you were a mess for like two weeks after the election. <laughs> I was just so upset. And it really was. It was just like it punctured the bubble. Like I had I had this view of how presidents should behave. And Trump is not that. And he'll never be that. Um, and that was that's I think that's what really 
even though I, I was worried about it, that's what kept me from accepting the kind of the inevitable reality that he was going to get elected. Um, I think that so, it's, it's, it's interesting yeah, okay. because I feel like we kind of saw the beginning of that with Obama in the white house. He kind of, kind of shifted to more of a, a, um, like a man's, a man's man, not a man's man, like a, the people's man, you know, like a little bit more laid back, a little bit more social in the social media and stuff like that. And then I think that now with Trump, he's almost taken it to a, a, a newer level with the tweeting and things that are just, it seems so non-presidential to me to act irrationally or to say things that are off the handle. Um, but possibly, you know, every generation moves in a new way and it's it's change well it definitely is consistent with the new social media <clears throat> and uh, you're, you're right obama used it very effectively um, and, and trump uses it effectively to avoid the mainstream media who he says is a dishonest and i happen to agree and i think it's very provable um, but he is definitely not your father's president <laughs> uh, and and I think he will modify over time. Uh, I'm not sure he was like that even as, you know, this is a very successful businessman. And no, nobody, I mean, his dad gave him, I think, a million dollars. Now he's worth seven billion, whatever. Yeah, he, he didn't get that as a gift. He's a very brilliant. And he's had to do business in, I don't know, 60 different countries, having to deal with different country laws, different cultures, and maintain great respect along the way. You know, a few distractors, but for the most part, he's uh, he, he's highly respected. So, um, I I think that uh, we'll we'll see him modify his performance somewhat, <clears throat> but I think he's always going to be very direct and go right to the to the public. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, what was it like for you? Uh, and just because I happen to be starting with Rochelle for all of them, I'll start. Uh, with you for this one as well. What was it like for you when you realized he was going to be the next president? I think I, um, I just started talking to people and asking them like, what did they think it was going to change? Um, what was going to be significant differences because I'm not political. Um, and I don't follow the agenda. It was a wave of information coming at me as far as, um, he's doing this and he's doing this. And I think that we've all seen in, um, when people are running that they have a platform that they throw out there and it never, it doesn't come to fruition. So for me, I was very curious to see like what, what is going to be his plan of action? What is going to happen? And I, part of me wants to be hopeful that there will be good changes that come out of it. I do think, as you both have stated, that it is a broken political system, and I don't know if anyone in office is going to be able to make grand changes to the mess that is our uh, our political establishment right now. You know, it would it would take so much reform and four years and all the opposition that comes. I I don't know. Um, if that's possible. I also thought 
I don't know how big of an impact he can make because there's a system of checks and balances being ignorant. I didn't realize how big of a turnover there would be in the house as well. And if there would be, uh, I didn't realize that there would be maybe a greater possibility for him to push through certain laws. All right. So what was it like for you, Len, when you realized he was going to be president? So the night, uh, election night, I have a daughter who's got her own business, and she's asked had asked me to help her with commission plan, which I've done many of them in my life. And so, I said, "Does it have to be tonight?" And she said, "Oh, this is the only time I had." I said, "Okay." So I was at her office working on a commission plan with her, and my other daughter, who lives in Vail, Colorado, texted me and said, "Trump's the head," whatever it was at the time. <clears throat> so. Uh, I got on the internet and saw that he was leading and, and, and it looked was looking good. And uh, I told my daughter, I said, okay, I've got to go. <laughs> and I actually went to uh, a restaurant owned by a good friend of mine. And uh, they had a surprisingly an all Republican crowd in there that night. It's in Campbell. <clears throat> and two guys actually that were uh, venture capitalists were walking along the street they said looking for a place they happen to be conservatives looking for a place to go in and and watch the uh, returns and they said well let's go in here and and one of them said to the other they told us they said you know we're going to be surrounded by socialists in here (laughs) and they later said we couldn't believe it when we got in here and everybody was cheering for for trump so uh i got there and then i i realized i was there until about probably midnight the sharing wine with all the happy people that like I was. Uh, and when I really saw that it was for sure that he was winning, I was absolutely ecstatic. And, and, and I still am. Uh, I think it's a good thing. I, I hope you'll learn along the way that he's going to be a good guy for the country. Um, but I was ecstatic because I really think our country was on the verge of being taken down by Obama and Hillary and the current Democratic Party. All right. Um, I was, what's the word, despondent? <laughs> um, for two I, weeks. <laughs> yeah, for about two weeks, yeah. Um, it, it, yeah, the, I remember turning on the, the TV and watching the returns because my wife had told me that, hey, you know, Trump's ahead because um, uh, I got home later than she did. And it was... The, okay, the the experience was something that you dreaded happening, but felt inevitable, inevitable, yet it was also world-changing. It's like, well, shoot, if this is possible, anything's possible. And part of the reason, you know, part of the reason it took me so long to adjust is that, you know, I grew up with, you know, Clinton, GW, Obama. You know, that's my that's my lifetime when I was what I was paying attention to. I mean, I saw um, the first Bush a little bit in office, but, um, you know, that's kind of my reality. And um, Trump was, was such a departure from that and such a new like it for me is like a new world almost. And I really didn't want to think about what could be possible. Like I, I remember I posted on Facebook, I think the next day it's like, well, what like what are the terrorists going to do with Trump as the president? He's going to be a great recruiting tool. And then, um, like, 
you know, my, my thoughts have always, have always focused around foreign policy. And it's like, how can anyone take it seriously in other countries? And, you know, the, I guess the, the seriousness, like the seriousness that has pervaded previous administrations, I felt like wouldn't be there. And I was really afraid of what would happen. What would other countries do? What would, what would other leaders do? Um, and turns out, you know, we'll, we'll see how true all this Russia stuff is. But other than that, you know, the sky didn't fall. You know, um, we're all still here for the most part. Um, some people did get deported. Even Chicken um, Little's not saying the sky's falling. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it did feel like the sky was falling for a little while there. I bought sweats and a pint of ice cream for my partner and said, we'll make it through the next four years together. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did anything change for you in that moment when Trump was elected? No, not really for me. I, um, I, I, my parents are um, very political and they um, are Trump supporters. And I, I love them. (laughs) <laughs> I love them too. Yeah, you should. I'm their little black sheep. Um, and, you know, like I had talked with my dad a little bit before, because um, I, I, just like you, Evan, like, I like to have a different perspective. I feel like you can't get all your facts from people who are like-minded. Um, you know, and he was just, he, he basically told me, you know, we're voting for Trump because we want, we don't necessarily want uh to support him but we want to see we want to see changes right and uh, that resonated with me you know i was like yeah i can understand that I, I i don't necessarily agree with all the things that are going on like i don't necessarily agree with welfare as it stands or um handouts even though i do believe in people taking care of people i do think that there's a better way to do it so i don't know i wasn't that affected but i I also, at the same time, maybe thought maybe this man can do some stuff. Maybe this isn't the worst thing that's ever happened. Or maybe he'll get impeached and, you know, we'll be stuck with something else. It, I I don't know. Like I, I didn't want to jump to any conclusions about what the next four years could hold. Lynn, how about you? Um, it changed my attitude tremendously. <laughs> Because I was really, uh, really concerned about where the country was going. And all you have to do is look at Venezuela and see where we were going, Uh, you know, what socialism does for you. And we we, we were definitely going socialist. So uh, I had a strong feeling that Trump, I had, had a different perspective of Trump. I knew he was a strong guy. I actually connected with his roommate from military school in uh, New York, and his roommate thought he was fantastic and, and told about things that he'd done, and he was a very honest guy. So all that the press was trying to portray about Trump and the Democratic Party uh, didn't appear to be true. And if you look at the guy, he's uh, he doesn't drink. He's never done drugs. He, he has an awesome family, you know, all successful. So my attitude said, this is what we need uh, running our country, and I think he'll do a good job. And uh, being a uh, conservative in California is not—we we can't all get into a phone booth, but 
there aren't as many as there are of the uh, of the liberals and the Democrats, who are many many of whom are my close friends, by the way, mm-hmm. and and we have discussions. So I just was really relieved and uh, felt exonerated. All right, I I feel like I've answered that question, so I'm going to skip it for me. Um, um... I think that if everyone got together, I don't think that we would realize that we all feel very differently from one another. Is that, That's the thing that surprises me the most, is that I think everyone feels that um, they're so their mindset is so different from everyone. But I think that we all just want, we want a little change. We want to take care of people, but we also don't want to get taken advantage of ourselves. Right? Yeah. yeah totally. And, and, and it's how you go about it, the process of how you deal with it that brings differences and as soon as people can stop being so partisan which i think you know on both sides <laughs> both sides there are you know great things can happen it's not going on right now by the way because the democrats are just sabotaging anything he's trying to do uh he's got a great guy for the uh supreme court uh, you know he got a great uh, reference from the ABA and, and they're going to, they've said they're going to do everything they can to slow it down or stop it. So uh, I think the, you know, the partisan nature that comes in is, is very damaging. Although I'm conservative and have been all my life. Uh, I, I believe in taking care. I'm a Vietnam vet, by the way, I was a young platoon leader in Vietnam. I believe in taking care of people. I believe in uh, helping out folks that can't help themselves, but I don't believe in, as you said, in being taken, dis- taken advantage of. And there's an awful lot of that going on. Uh, Romney got in trouble for saying only 47% of the people in the country are paying taxes, but it, it was the truth. Uh, and, you know, we that shouldn't be the case. I mean, everybody should be, uh, I, I think, participating, except those that for illness or whatever. I don't want to see Medicare go away. I don't want to, you know, none of that should happen. And I think we all agree on that. Mm-hmm. But how it gets done is is the thing, and 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 it's it's all the establishment. I'm anti-establishment, uh, like Donald Trump is, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I believe that a lot of things are done for self agendas, uh, for for power, for wealth, whatever. When they really shouldn't be. Yeah, and that was something that struck me. And you know, I said that earlier was that, um, you know, I would I was so against Trump because of his personality. Really, like his his positions he, for me in the run up to the election, it was like, well, I don't know if you actually believe this or if you're just saying it to get your voters, but your personality is just so unpresidential. I just can't abide by this. Yet I would, you know, I would talk to Trump supporters and I talk to Trump supporters online, and they'd say, well, this is wrong with the government, and this is wrong with where we're headed, and we need change. We need like drastic change, and I'd find myself agreeing to all of that. And then I'd still say, but we can't have Trump. And so I, that, that really struck with, you know, stuck with me because the media, you know, the media was all like, well, these are the deplorables and these are, you know, these are misogynists and these people are terrible people who are supporting Trump. And it's like, this is not, this is, these are not the Trump supporters that I experience. I mean, there may be a few out there, but this is very this is, few, if any. Yeah. Yeah. This is not what I'm experiencing at all. So that that was a big disconnect for me. And that made me think that there's, you know, we're a lot more in sync as people than than our information sources lead us to believe. 
Uh, and, and by the way, I, I, I should say, I remember Nixon. I remember when Nixon was in, and I thought he would, had the ability to be a great president. He did some great things. <clears throat> but when he had lied to the people, I was one of the first people to say, he's got to go. You can't lie to the American people. And uh, so I was all in favor of that, even though I had great respect for Nixon in a lot of ways. When you lie to the American people, like has been going on un- unbelievably for the last eight years, uh, you you have no right to be in that position. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of what our information sources were telling us, there is one thing. You know, there was one thing, at least you know, getting a lot of my information from the left that uh, really. St- stuck out for me and I think is a motivating factor in a lot of the reaction to Donald Trump. And that was really the grab him by the pussy comment for lack of any other way to phrase it. You know, um, I think that's had a lot of repercussions. I think him saying that kept a lot of people from, from seeing what else Trump was about. And, um, it made it very easy to to say he and all his supporters are sexist. Um, and so I wanted to hear from both of you what um, what where you're at now, now that we have a president who's come out, you know, I guess it was 2005, basically admitted to sexually assaulting women. Um, I'd love to hear from both of you first what, okay. how, what you thought about that. Okay. Do you want to go first, Len? Yeah, I don't think he agreed or, or he admitted to sexually assaulting women. What he said was taken that way. He said you could. Um, and, and when I heard that comment, I thought, you idiot. <laughs> what are you doing? But the the thing was that it was, if we all had everything we've ever said captured and brought back, you know, 10, 20 years later, you know, none of us are perfect. None of us are, are without sin. So, uh I, I thought it was very wrong that that was uh, number one publicized and and number two used as uh, something against him, rather than whatever his his platform was and whatever he wanted to do. Uh, I thought it was uh, probably a stupid thing for him to say at the time. Uh, sounded very egotistical. Uh, he was trying to obviously, I think, uh, impress Billy Bush, who he was talking to. Um, so it didn't change my perspective, although I thought it was a dumb thing to do. I thought, you know, we can't be held for everything we've ever said in life, uh, especially when we don't think that uh, we're being uh, recorded. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, it was, you know, my, really my biggest concern with him was was his personality. It's like, for me, I see a big ego when I see him, and for me, when I see big egos, I see people who are vulnerable and vulnerable to influence from a lot of different kinds of people. And that was, you know, I agree that when he was saying that stuff, he was trying to impress Billy Bush, which it, I mean, who needs to impress Billy Bush? But um, nobody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and that being said, he. You know, whether or not he ever actually did that, he made it sound like he was doing that, which is... Um, well, what he was saying, by the way, it was easy. He didn't say that he was forcing it. He yeah, just said yeah. it was easy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's not something I've really been able to square myself with completely because, um, because part of me is like, 
part of me thinks of myself as a feminist. Like we, you know, we do have to have equal rights for women. And these past, you know, three, four, five years with the explosion of social media and women um, talking about publicly all the things that have happened to them in private that I was never privy to. Men were never talking about this stuff with me. Like I didn't know what was going on. And then when, you know, uh, like a, a hashtag would trend on Twitter and I'd see, and then all these women would write their stories. It was like, oh my God, this stuff is happening. Like this is not okay. We, ha- we have to stop this. And to be seeing all that build up for years and then to just have the GOP nominee fly in the face of that um, was re- really unsettling. And for me, I guess the way I would describe it now is it's like, look, we're probably, like if I was going to bet money, I wouldn't bet a lot of money, but we're probably stuck with Donald Trump for, f- for four years. I would bet that he's going to stay in office for four years and not get impeached. And that means for me that there's unfinished business in that realm um, because for the people who get animated about that stuff. And I feel like, you know, it, it's a huge percentage of the population and I count myself as one of them. Like, um, okay. So we elected some guy in 2016 who thinks that way, but that's never going to happen again. And, uh, I think, um, yeah. So in that way, I feel like it's unfinished business. You know, it's, um, in that regard, I think Trump is behind and, um, you know, in the civil rights push of the modern era. And um, he's going to be someone we look at like um, that governor. I can't remember his name in the southern states who uh, was fighting for segregation and fighting for, you know, fighting against the civil rights movement. You know, he was one of governor the last of Alabama. Hold- yeah, he was one of the last holdouts in the civil rights movement for um you know, in the 60s, too. <laughs> um, I think in that regard, we'll look, we'll, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now, we'll look at Trump in the same light. So I'm going to hear what Rochelle has to say, but uh, have you ever observed what the, the fact that he has promoted women to senior executive positions in his organization and they are all absolutely promoting the way he treats them, the way he acts? So a lot of that stuff that was, and he said some dumb things that, that helped the the uh, mainstream media, but a lot of that stuff was created for the purpose of demeaning him, which is the job of the mainstream medium as, as they see it. Uh, Trump has great respect from most of the women you've ever talked to that, he, that he's worked around or worked with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, did you want my response? or Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely noticed, you know, that he had – uh, in his businesses, quite a few women in very senior positions. Um, yet I also heard the stories from the pageant girls where he would walk in on, you know, them getting dressed, uh, and, you know, and this is like something he would admit to. He'd say, Oh, well, I'm the owner here. So I get to inspect everything. It's like, Whoa, you know, that's, that's not okay. Um, and what's, Okay, so here's something that's that's weird for me to say, but what's nice about Trump is that we I feel like as a country we get to fully embrace that um, that no one is 
exactly who we want them to be. Like he has contradictory elements to him and he's he's clearly always going to have contradictory elements to him. Like I don't think that the fact that um, he promoted women to senior positions and continues to rely on women um, is mutually exclusive from how he treated you know, how he's treated women in romantic situations or how he treated the pageant girls. Um, how he reconciles that in his head, I don't know. But um, in my mind, they're diametrically opposed, but clearly for him, they're not, if they're true. If they're true. I would s- agree that none of us would like to be recorded our entire lives. We've all said off-color things, I'm certain. Um, it was very shocking as a woman who, um, you know, I, I think that's something that men don't think about because they don't, cause they're men and they're physically bigger, stronger than women is that women on a constant basis worry about things like I can't walk down the street by myself at night because I could be taken advantage of. I could be molested. I, whatever. And to hear, um, it said from the mouth of the president is is shocking. It is it it feels violating. Um, however, I'm sure if someone recorded an off color thing that I had said and put it out there, it could be very much portrayed the same way. With that said, I do worry, you know, about because he sexualizes women. Um, that is is evident in a lot of things that he has has done um that uh if you if you do that i think that you devalue a woman's opinion or um what they might what they might be able to bring to the table such as you know taking away abortion rights like defunding abortion which i don't disagree with but that's it's it's basically stating like you don't you don't have the right to your own body, um, and I for me like it it was a snowball effect not not this one thing but like maybe that that is his mentality, and um, to see women as something that is more objective and less of an asset to the country, but yes he has promoted women and. Um, I don't necessarily know if his private mental affairs are going to affect the country as a whole. Yeah. And that, um, if I can take that off, off into a tangent a little bit, that it reminds me that now, now it's becoming clear, you know, as someone who has, kind of grew up in the liberal bubble and always tried to reach outside of it to get more perspective. It's really clear the, um, um, the snow kind of the snowball effect or the slippery slope effect on in liberal conversations that I've always seen in conservative conversations. Like the best example that comes to mind is in conservative conversations is around gun control is, you know, the, um, the NRA seems to have the stance of if you can control guns at all, it's going to lead to this cascade effect of more and more gun control. And basically there aren't going to be 
going to be any guns in the country and our soldiers won't be able to, they won't know how to use guns and we'll lose all, every war that happens. Uh, it it was that. the first thing that happened in Nazi Germany and Russia. They took away the guns. Yeah. And you know, but that's like, that's a slippery slope that I've always mm-hmm. been able to identify in conservative circles yet with a lot of the biggest arguments against Trump in this election, especially looking back, have been slippery slope arguments of like, like what you said about um, this grab him by the pussy comment is, you know, does he actually believe that? And then does that inform his worldview? And then does he just look at women as something to be taken? But that's all conjecture at that point. That again is a slippery slope. And a lot of the liberal media, especially once he was inaugurated, was and and in the especially the couple weeks since his inauguration was this stuff that he's doing is the same thing that authoritarian governments do and you know if he keeps doing this he's going to take us down the road to fascism and again it's a it's another slippery slope argument and i i never they were never so apparent to me on the liberal side as they have been since um since trump was elected I totally disagree with that. They were very evident on the liberal side. I'm just saying they weren't liberal. Uh, they I, weren't apparent to me. I, I, I understand. <laughs> I'm just disagreeing with yeah. you. When when people uh, like the couple that didn't bake a cake for the gay couple because they just didn't believe in it, you know, had religious beliefs, they said they'd be glad to. They had waited on him, continue waiting on him, and and to go in and punish that couple by ruining their business and taking all their money away. You know, that gay couple could have gone anywhere else to have had that done. And and laws that punish people for their own conscience and their own beliefs are totally wrong. And we saw more and more of that happening under the Obama administration. People were allowed to sue somebody and take away, you know, it happened in, in Oregon, uh, take, take away uh, their livelihood, their homes, because they didn't want to do something that somebody else could have done. See, I, I believe that was totally wrong. And, yeah. and, and I'm, one of the things I'm hoping Donald Trump will do is, is do away with that kind of thinking, that you, you have the right to punish people for their beliefs. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to spend too much time on that because I think we could do a whole podcast just on that topic. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that is a, that is a very interesting uh, topic, especially when it gets to when you're providing people like a public service. And I believe – believe the relevant laws on the books are about it. Well, if you're providing public service and advertising it, then, you know, then different rules come into play because when someone comes up and wants to buy that thing, you can't be like, well, you can't have this cause you're black or you can't have this, you know, but that's like, like I said, that's a totally whole, that's a podcast. And that's not what was happening. Yeah. Um, has your view of the country changed? since Donald Trump got elected? For me, I would say that I view the country a little bit stronger than I thought it was. Um, Initially, just seeing people band together in a way that was remarkable. Um, And I, I feel that momentum maybe has fallen off, but people around me still getting involved sitting here doing a podcast like it's 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 weird um and 
I think that everyone is maybe a little bit more aware, maybe cares a little bit more, maybe I I don't know where our country's going to go. We 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 can't know what's going to happen under this, you know, the next 4 years under this administration, but I don't think that um I don't think that the American people are going to continue to allow themselves to be as apathetic um, as they were in the past. And for, I would say that that for me is the biggest change that I have seen in this election. How about you, Len? I feel much more strong about the country than I did before November 8th. Uh, And the reason is I see some things. What happened today? Uh, He issued an executive order basically to reorganize the government to basically get rid of all the excess, get rid of, of uh, surplus people and agencies and, and overlapping agencies. No president in my lifetime has ever tried to do that. They may have talked about it, but they never did. Actually, Bill Clinton did more of it than, than anybody else. Um, so j- just that example and the fact that he is approaching everything from a Make America Great Again perspective, and I really believe that. He has he has no axe to grind. He's not going to make money. He's going to lose money by taking this job. Uh, he had all the power he needed and, and a lot more freedom. So he, he really, I re, really do believe that we have somebody in there. I think he may be the only guy. I, to me, he's the cavalry. <laughs> he's come to save us. Or he's sock in solving a, a fatal virus, you know, and coming up with a, with a solution. I have great respect for what he's doing uh, and what he's going to do, and I feel much better about the country as a result. I um, I you know I, I went through my mourning period, so to speak, after he was elected, and I've started to see a lot of things that that I honestly really like. Um, one is you know we needed a political reset. We I feel like this country really needed that, and we're getting that with Trump, whether we like it or not. Um, and that being said, Trump has also really animated the uh, people on the left in a new way. And I think that um, I think that's a good thing. I think that there were a lot of people on the left who were not active and who um, weren't necessarily civic minded um, or like the civic minded, but not civic in in everyday um, actions. And um I think it's a good thing that they're now thinking about that. I think that part of the problem with the Democratic Party was that a lot of the people who voted with them weren't very involved. Um, And um, I think that's going to change over the next four, eight, you know, 20 years. Um, I don't think, you know, a lot of people who were appalled and upset that Trump was elected, um, aren't just going to settle for the status quo anymore. They aren't just going to go along with how it was going. Um, And I think that's a good thing. Even if, um, you know, even if we don't all agree, I think it's better that more people are involved. Um, And as much as like, I don't, I don't have the same faith that you do Len that, that Donald is going to be effective um, in what he's doing. I don't have, it, you know, and I've, you're not the first person who's said this to me that Donald Trump was a very respected businessman. You know, my impression of him before this election was not that he was a very successful businessman, but he was 
but that he was the um, almost the walking, living, breathing proof that having lots of money doesn't necessarily mean you're good at anything. Um, he seemed like a caricature almost of a rich person. Um, and all that being said, you know, you know, some people have come out, you know, some people have analyzed his businesses and looked at the percentage of success and percentage of failure. And like, um, the most, the most recent analysis I read was that he succeeded in about 60% of his ventures. Um, that, you know, I'd be happy to succeed in 60% of my ventures. Um, I, you know, I was very, I understood where he was coming from with his first immigration executive order. I didn't agree with it, but I understood what he was trying to do. And I thought the rollout was really sloppy. And my, my thought with him is that well, my, my concern with him, besides not always agreeing with his policies, is that what else about the rollout of his policies is going to be sloppy? Or is he going to learn his lesson and refine that? And I just, I don't know. I, I have confidence that he will because he is a, he's actually a brilliant guy. Uh, and as I said, I, I've always said, and if, if you haven't read The Art of the Deal, you should. Because you see, I mean, he says the deal is everything. And, 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 you know, when you have a deal in front of you, you do, you know, what it takes to win. And, uh, and, and that's his excitement in life is making things happen. But sometimes, I guess for me, it's like, at what cost? There's, because um, I feel, you know, there, we've talked about this new health care act, um, immigration, and things like that, things that probably on some level could benefit our economy bringing back um i like homemade for like taking away foreign made goods and bringing it back to america but then do we have the infrastructure for that and like uh, at, at what cost you know like what is it what are it's the deal but like wh- how do we um fair in the end does it does it pan out does it does it balance does that make That's sense? a good question i if you look at all the things he's done, as I said, he's in I don't know, 60 countries worldwide having to deal with every kind of culture, every kind of religion, and every kind of uh, socialist or, or democratic. And he's been very successful in blending that all in and being successful across him. I, I've heard an analysis that was higher than the 60%, but it's not 100%. Mm-hmm. And uh, neither is mine. <laughs> I'm not sure it's 60. Uh, but but I really believe that he is absolutely oriented to do what's right. And that's why he's got so many. He's got working America behind him. I mean, if you, when did we ever see uh, rallies, like the types of rallies where he's got thousands of people there cheering for him? And this may be ignorance on my part, but I guess everything that I'm seeing it- – and maybe my news sources, whatnot, are saying that it's not benefiting middle class, the things that he's doing. That's a question. Um, that it's mostly benefiting the wealthy. Is, that, am I wrong? That's absolutely not true. The okay. people that elected him are the middle class. That was the difference. Right, it's it's kind of like the Reagan Democrats. Uh, uh, the, the people that are so strongly behind him. And, and, and what he's doing is, is not oriented toward helping the wealthy. 
Okay. If you, if you look at everything now, you know, that's, uh, I have my own prejudices and, and uh, I'm not wealthy, but uh, I, I believe that he is really going to do what's right for the most people. And he has no reason not to. Okay. He, he said today, he said, uh, I, I saw him and he said, they said, do you think uh, that you pay too much tax or too little? And he said, probably too little, but I think we all ought to pay less. Lower taxes for everybody and it'll be good for America. Well, it always had been when it, when it was done by Clinton, by Kennedy, and by Reagan. Whenever taxes were lowered, the economy boomed. Um, so I, I, I think... You know, I, I really think his mind's in the right place. I think he's a brilliant guy. I happen to believe he's got a brilliant team around him. I think he's put some unbelievable people in place to do what needs to be done. Some of it will be viewed as neg- negative because taking down the EPA is probably one of the things. That I don't, we, we shouldn't totally destroy it, but we definitely need to cut down their power. Yeah, we could do a whole podcast just on the EPA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, or on any of the agencies. <laughs> Yeah. So my response to that is uh, I do feel like when it comes to policy, my read of Donald's um, Donald's view of the world is really that the policy he promotes is going to depend largely on the people who are around him. And I am I'm concerned about the people around him. Obviously, you know, there's all this stuff about Steve Bannon. I, I don't think I don't think I need to touch that at this point. Um but you know the the scuttlebutt about well it, you know it's it's hard to say which is probably smart on his part you know you say he's a good strategist well this is probably good strategy it's hard to say at this point who's actually promoting this the policy to that everyone's talking about about replacing Obamacare with because the scuttlebutt about it at least in liberal circles is that um and you know Bernie Sanders is come out with an analysis that's really to the point and that is that it's a tax it's a tax cut for the wealthy and it's taking um health care away from people who aren't wealthy um now and, uh, and, and there are some aspects about that are true by the way in that way i i don't listen to everything bernie says and yeah. don't trust him at all but he you know he's he's a nice guy just you know with the with the wrong concepts uh and there are some pieces. I talked to my much older sister, uh, and she's a lifelong Democrat. And she says, "You know, I'm I'm tr- trusting Trump, but, but but I hear that this is going to you know be good for the wealthy." I said, "Well, it won't be if it's done right." And there are some aspects of it. Yeah, you, know, you can't automatically lower things for everybody else without having sometimes the wealthy have an advantage for you know in it also. So I I think there are some things in the health plan that I don't like it at all. Uh, I think it needs to be modified greatly, and I think it needs to be modified to make it affordable and take a lot of the uh, people that that are taking health care and abusing it and and not working and not paying for it, and uh, and that's one way to start, and and take illegal immigrants off except for – emergencies they should not be on our health care system so there are a lot of things that can be done and it's a very complex it is extremely complex and it's a it's a tough thing to do and uh, sometimes i think let me in there i i could help those guys out just with common sense uh, so there are some things that are still in there i think that are wrong and i think i think they'll be fixed i hope 
All right. Um, and uh, I, I do another question I have for you, Len, because um, you've mentioned the art of the deal a couple times. It, you know, something that came out during the election was that, you know, was the his ghostwriter came out so strongly against Donald Trump, his ghostwriter for that book. How did you feel about that? Uh, without knowing the facts, you know, or, or where this guy was politically. I mean, he was getting paid to be the ghostwriter for the art of the deal. But if he's, as he is, a, a Hillary fan and a Democrat uh, coming out now against the guy that paid him to do that, I, I, I don't take that very seriously. Okay. Okay. So, uh, uh, next question I have for you is, do you feel more or less safe with Trump as president? I'll start with you, Rochelle. I don't know how to feel, except I see, um, I feel worried sometimes because he does say things off the handle. Um, and I, that brought worry in the beginning for me. If if he is such a um, a person who can do things on on whim, what does that translate? You know, like does can he make a a deal on a whim? Can he think, oh, this is going to be a good thing, and act instinctually in the moment without thinking it through? Um, for me, I think that was a little bit scary. Also, because he does have so many business ties everywhere. Would he do things that were as beneficial for the country, beneficial for him? You know, we all know politics is who can, you know, judge the other person um, to some degree. And with a person who does have so much wealth, so much to lose or gain economically, um, it made me skeptical of his motives. But I don't know if it made me feel more secure or less secure um because i didn't i guess i didn't really see like where he would um where he was going you know like it's i i do like i am in an interracial relationship and um you know people being deported like my partner's here legally but maybe like some of their family members um haven't gotten citizenship or friends and so things like that like the person I care about living in fear for their family members that that's also something that strikes a chord with me like yes do I believe that we need to have proper strategies in place for those things absolutely but to break up families and to just throw people out without asking questions I do I have a hard time with that um I don't know if that answers the question I just kind of think that that's um, left to be determined. See where he's going to take things. How about you, Len? Do you feel more or less secure? I feel much more secure, not necessarily now, but with what's happening. I, I believe there's a whole attitude change in this country as a result of having him in place. Our military is going to be rebuilt. Our, our military was taken down by Obama to to unbelievable depths to basically get rid of it. I mean, we're the leading country, uh, leading uh, country in the uh, entire world 
and so many people depend on us, and we've got to have a strong military. Uh, Obama had was taking down our, our police forces. Uh, you know, the, the, the Black Lives Matter thing is, you know, well, what about Blue Lives Matter? So there's a real, he's created real hostility on the part of uh, normal citizens toward the police, and especially in the, uh, you know, the tenements and the lower class areas, which need a lot more than hating the police. They, they actually need the police to, uh, to be around there. Uh, so respect for the police have gone down to such an extent that, and I've read, you know, the, the police are afraid to take action. They'll ignore, they'll stay out of it, you know, rather than ha- having to uh, defend themselves and, and possibly kill somebody who's going to kill them if they don't. So I think the whole aspect of what's been going on for the last, and it's all political, uh, I think it's got to be non-political, and there there are cases of uh, of police doing the wrong thing, being unfair. Y- yes, it does happen, but not as often as uh, the left would like to have you believe. So there are all the things that are going to happen. Uh, I think sanctuary cities are a crime. I I, I believe that uh, we're going to have a battle on sanctuary cities, and I think uh, the, the the mayors and uh, whoever. Uh, are in favor of the sanctuary cities where people get deported four, five, six times, come back and kill somebody. That is unacceptable, and we, we need to absolutely get rid of it. So I think there are a lot of things that are going to happen as a result that would make me feel much safer. I have three daughters and five granddaughters, and as you said about walking on the street and, and feeling afraid of being attacked, uh, I don't want my granddaughters to have to grow up being afraid. Yeah. All right, so um, I'll answer this question as well, and I feel like I'll have a long answer to this. But is in regards of safety, for me, there are a lot of different aspects of it. Um, for one, I'm a large white male, so I, I don't have to worry about you know immediate. For the most part, I don't have to worry about immediate threats to my person just being out in public. Um, I feel like if I were a woman, and this isn't you know as much. I don't want to blame Trump for this, but it's an aspect of his of his base that you know he he sometimes plays to is um, is a base that that felt like oh now that Trump was elected we can do those things that that aren't okay we can you know we can assault women because Trump was elected we can assault minorities because Trump was elected we can um, shoot people who look Muslim, uh, even if they're Sikhs, even if they just don't even know the difference between the religions. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people have been wanting to blame Trump for that. I, I don't want to put the blame on him, but that is, you know, if I was anything other than a white male, I would be more concerned for my safety on a day-to-day basis simply because that element exists. That element that has been emboldened by Trump being elected. Um, you, Len, you brought up a really good point with uh, police in this country. Um, I think the, you know, for a long time, for, you know, for decades, and I haven't been alive for very many decades, but for decades, I've felt like the culture of policing in this country has been broken. Um, I don't think it's fair to blame Obama for that and for 
for I don't, it's certainly not fair to blame him for Black Lives Matter. This is something that has been building for a long time and possibly for as long as we've had police in this country. Um, my concern with police and how, you know, when you say, you know, when we're looking at safety and how that relates to Trump being elected is I don't think the broken culture in policing is going to be addressed. I think that the training for police really um, encourages to police, police to be fearful, uh, discourages police to um, de-escalate situations, um, and encourages them to get their guns out at the wrong time and uh, do things that really aren't appropriate for the situation. Um, and I don't, I don't want to blame the police for that, though I, I think there's an aspect of police culture that's involved in perpetuating that. Um, you know, whenever, whenever someone gets shot by a police officer, what do we see in the news is, you know, a picture of, you know, from their social media of them looking most like a thug as possible. Even if, you know, they had five other pictures of them in tuxedos or graduate gowns, what do we get? We get the backwards baseball cap holding a bong. Um, you know, um, so there, there's part, you know, that's a part of it, but, um, can I interrupt for you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. the, the thing about black lives matter is not that black lives don't matter. They do. The thing about it is that this is a, uh, an organization that is publicly, uh, sponsoring going out and killing policemen. They do that as part of their, they're burning things down. They're, they're tearing up their own neighborhoods. Uh, so if that's Black Lives Matter, I don't want any part of it. I'd rather have a real everybody's lives matter and, and focus on the people that live in those areas and try to give them a better life rather than encourage them to go out and shoot policemen, which has been done. Yeah, it has. I, I don't know that it's necessarily fair to paint that. You, to, to paint would, Black Lives Matter with that whole brush. You need to policemen that have been killed. Well, yeah, I, I, I the know last it's four years as compared to before. I think you can separate the people who want equality from a a righteous group of individuals yes. maybe doing that, that same thing. Um, because I would say that there's a lot of people who quote Black Lives Matter because they support a person, whether they be color themselves or someone of color, who has been persecuted because of those things. I think that there's a discrepancy between an organization and people who feel one way also my my brother's a cop he's in law enforcement and i would say that on in their defense is that they have to do a lot of desensitizing you know they see a lot of bad things day after day and um as much as i hate the way that he sometimes speaks about people that he arrests or minorities in general. I also think that there is a certain thing that gets shoved in their face day after day and you build a mentality. And I think that getting away from that mentality is what would need to happen for there to be real reform in anything. It's, it's the segregation. It's the, it's the stigma behind what they see in certain situations. Yeah. And to get for me to get back to the, point about safety is that I just don't see that being addressed while Trump is in office. Um, uh, I think he's, I think he's relying on the, the pro police who are going to rah, rah, rah for whatever the police want. 
um, as part of his base. And I don't see that being addressed. And I think there's a lot broken with policing and a lot of great police. Um, but there, there are a lot of things that need to be addressed in policing in this country. So the, the final thing I, w- I have to say about safety is about foreign policy. And, um, and it, it's, you know, it's a, it's a big nut to crack to say foreign policy is going to go any particular way while Trump is in office. Um, I'm very curious to see how he deals with North Korea, but um, I do have major concerns about Russia. And um, Len, I guess I should ask you, and I'll, I'll let you follow up once I'm done. Um, uh, you know, from my perspective, you know, it, for me, his, ties with Russia do not look dismissible and um, that I don't think Donald Trump is just going to do whatever Putin tells him to do but I do think that um, in one way or another they it's very possible that they worked together Um, that's not really my concern I absolutely totally disagree yeah I want to hear your perspective once I'm done but that's not my concern so much is if he is lenient with Putin, the consequences in Eastern Europe are big. And the consequences for all of Europe are big if if he's letting Putin do what Putin wants to do. And that's where my my safety concern comes in is, okay, if if he lets Putin do does what he wants to do, you know, which countries, you know, because Putin already took Crimea. Um, and I know Obama let him do that. Um, but which countries are next? And then what is the fallout from that going to be? And then where do we find ourselves if Putin does do that? Where do we find ourselves in 5, 10, 15 years? Are we looking at a, how destabilized are we going to be? Are we looking at a large scale war because we didn't stop Putin now? So that's my you know, I think there are a lot of questions with foreign policy and Putin kind of wraps them up nicely is, you know, how is Trump going to handle this and how is Trump going to handle all the other challenges? Like, how is he going to handle China in their, you know, slowly escalating their sable, saber rattling? And, you know, one of the th- aspects of being presidential that I see is missing in Trump is being cool and level headed for something like that. And that was part of what was so upsetting for me um, when he was elected um, is how he'll respond to Russia and China is a big question mark for me. And I don't that being a question mark is very unsettling in my mind. So why would he let Putin do what he wants? Why? There are some people who say. Uh, and you've probably heard that um, that Putin's got some sort of blackmail on Donald Trump. Who are those people that say that? <laughs> well, you know, they have their own agenda, yeah, you, as you do. well know. But then it's pretty well documented that, you know, um, that Russian oligarchs have been funding different aspects of Donald Trump's uh, business uh, business ventures. And this has been going on for you know, for many years now. So so the question, it, it's just, it's a slippery slope. It's like, 
does Trump have any loyalty to to this group of people he's been doing business with, or is he going to act in the best interests of this country? And um, for me, there are a lot of question marks there. How much do you know about General Mattis? I I know enough to like General Mattis. That's all um, you have to know. <laughs> he does not trust yeah. Russia. Yeah. Okay. And and Donald Trump would have not put somebody of that caliber and of that persuasion in uh, uh, to run the secretary as Secretary of Defense if he felt they were going to interfere with whatever he wanted to do with Russia. Okay. So I'll take that as your response then to uh, to my concerns about. Trump and Russia is uh, is General Mattis, and I think that's you know, I think that is a good response. Um, you know, the fact that General Mattis was put in it was put in his position was honestly very comforting to me. So, um, and the thing that the average guy on the street doesn't realize is Russia's been hacking us forever, and we're hacking them. China's hacking us; we're hacking China. You know, it's a known fact that, you know, everybody in the world is trying to do that. So what you have to do is build up your own cybersecurity so that can't happen. Uh, the Democrats didn't do a very good job of it, obviously, because they were hacked and, and got uh, all the information what was going on from the uh, Democratic Party. But it's going to continue going on, and it's up to us to basically build our defense. Look at what's going on with China. I mean, they've been buzzing our, our ships out in the, out in the ocean. I can almost guarantee you that won't happen very often or, or, or into the future because uh, General Mattis and I believe Donald Trump will say, don't do that. And they'll shoot one of them out of the sky and, and that's when it'll stop or we'll go to war. And if we go to war, it'll avoid a larger war later on. So I'm not, uh, you know, I mean, we we had, if you know the story of what Reagan did, he destroyed the Soviet Union. And you know how he did it? Well, I don't want to get too wrapped up in the policy here, but it's also, it, we could do another whole podcast on whether or not what Reagan did had any influence. Well, in it absolutely did. It's, it's actually accepted after the fact by, you know, pretty unanimously. He outspent them. <laughs> he basically drove the Soviet Union into economic disaster by outspending them. And I think the same thing can happen. The one thing we don't want to do is lower our, our military strength so that the other countries of the world, as they do, don't respect us. We, we have no respect from the other countries around the world during the Obama because they knew Obama wasn't going to do anything. And so I believe strongly that uh, walking softly and carrying a big stick, and you know, to quote Teddy Roosevelt, is, is a good thing to do. And when Donald Trump says, hey, if he can negotiate with uh, Russia, he'd rather do that, he's not saying I'm going to let them do what they want. Uh, you know, he's going to say, you know, maybe we can meet in, you know, what's good for, for both parties and avoids you know, a war down the road or avoids any kind of conflict. I don't understand how we as a country who are so in debt can afford a big military when we can't afford other things. Can you... That's a very good question. Um, we can afford it by not spending so much on people who come into our country that don't have jobs, that don't can't support themselves, and we end up having to support them. 
Yeah, that's one way. We can support them by exactly what Donald Trump is doing that he announced today. We could cut easily 10% out of the government, which is billions of dollars. And so the reason we've gotten into this problem that we have with $20 trillion of debt is because, you know, the, the, the Democratic Party, when they were in, in control, didn't do a budget for five years. How can you run a business or anything else, particularly a government, without having a budget established and living within that budget? So the problem is, is we spend crazily. We don't measure what we're doing, and we're spending on all the wrong things. So I, I think you'll see that uh, Donald Trump is a good businessman, and I think you'll see, and the people he's bringing in around him are excellent businessmen, men, and I think you'll see that uh, they will focus on economics rather than all the social stuff that, uh, that, that's been done in the past, and just waste. And, and, and there's also been a huge, huge amount of crony capitalism. Uh, you know, there has. when Obamacare came out, what did they do? Well, Congress didn't have to abide by it. Unions didn't have to abide by it. But other people got rich because of it, because of his crony capitalism. And I'm, the one thing I hope Donald Trump does, and I, I believe he will, uh, is basically get rid of as much of the crony capitalism as, as possible. Uh, Senator Feinstein's husband just has got a billion-dollar contract. You know, the, the, that is absolutely a conflict of interest. People that are married to or associated with with somebody who's a sitting senator or representative or president, whatever, should not be able to make money off that. And you could say the same thing for a lot of people who are around Donald Trump. And that's an issue he has to deal with, right? Yeah. Um, I'd like to move on to the next question. So, um, unless you, you okay. Um, did, did you buy my answer, by the way? Yes and no. I, I like I I agree at some point, but I from what I do know that military is one of the biggest financial drains on this company, and a lot of times it's wasteful and not used appropriately. So I'm I mean yes, obviously we need a military to defend ourselves, but it is uh, it's interesting to have something that creates so, so such a a big deficit in our budget, and we don't have any control over how it's used or what it's used for what how the money's spent it's it's an interesting and, and by the way you're absolutely right we could cut a lot of money out of the military without losing the power any of our strength or defense and i hope that's going to be done <laughs> yeah that would be great it's um um yeah because that that is a big issue in and of itself um so I'm going to go, because I think we've answered a lot of the questions I originally had for you. Um, well, so are you going to be involved in elections in the future? And how so? Rochelle, I want to ask you this first. I'm not certain. Um, am I going to be on the campaign trail? Probably not. Um, I have vowed to myself to educate to read all this stuff to ask people like you guys different sides to explain to me because I mean just looking over measures I, I read all of this and I think I know and then someone's like no but that really means this so 
doing the full homework assignment of actually educating and being aware of what the uh, agendas are um and encouraging people around me to that they that no matter even if you don't think that your voice counts it does so I think that those are those are the two things that I will change for myself in this coming election how about you do you think Len do you think your involvement in elections is going to change I think it's going to stay at least as much as it's been in the past and possibly even more because uh, when I hear people say I don't want to talk politics uh, it bothers me because I think people that don't want to talk politics are leaving it up to the people that do. <laughs> and they're not always you know, necessarily the right people to be d- dealing with politics. So I think everybody should have an interest in and staying informed about what's going on politically and what it does to your family, your home, your neighborhood. Uh, so I will definitely stay involved and try, try to keep as informed as I, I can be so I can help inform other people. All right. Um... And I, I will be more involved as well. Um, I'm I'm curious to see how, th- especially the next upcoming like um, two to three elections for presidential elections go, and how the political parties change, because there's a lot. Of, I think that there's a lot of change coming in both political parties, and um, and for me, I want to see how that happens, and I'm going to pick and choose my ways to be involved, kind of based on how that goes. Um, well, you know, historically, after a presidential election, the other side gains in the off-year off election. So 2018 should be, historically, a better year for Democrats than for Republicans. <laughs> yeah, and we will see. Um, how do you think the world views us now versus before? Who wants to answer that first? Well, actually, the word is out there. They view us much better. Uh, the uh, president of Hungary just came out and said Donald Trump's a good thing, and it's been happening all all over the world, different people coming around uh, and basically lauding the fact that we now have a strong president. They did not, the world did not respect uh, Obama, and uh, except for those countries that he was helping helping out, some of which we shouldn't have been helping out. So I, I believe that we absolutely have great greater respect. And you can see you can see what's happening with uh, the economy, with other countries that, that are willing to deal with us. I think Mexico will even come around, by the way. I think you can see some signs of that happening. Uh, so I, I think we have much greater respect as a result of, you know, the election than we had before. Rochelle, how about you? I'm skeptical of that. Because it feels that Trump is isolating us a little bit more, banning like the immigration laws, um, just the um, the how he put a stop to flights and people were basically left to fend for themselves in middle ground um, for a while. I see, but I on the other side I see. Americans themselves who have reached out, who have supported people who are immigrants, who are coming from other places and have, have like, have reached out. Um, so I don't know if the world would see us for Americans 
and who we are or as a president who wants a little bit more segregations higher um import taxes on other countries that you know so they they lose out in the deal even though it benefits america what how does that leave us in regards to our relationship with other with other countries and commerce um so i don't know i don't know if if the world would see us for who we are for our president for the choices that we make because we voted him into office they see us as that i'm i don't know um in my experience uh or my thoughts on how the world views us is um is just as you know just as much of a percentage of americans who are appalled by by president trump being president trump um we probably have an equal percentage throughout the world um my my experience of friends of friends of mine who are overseas who um, who follow our politics was shock and horror. You know they they were just amazed that we could elect someone like Donald Trump. And I think for the for the average person, well maybe not for the average person for the average person with a li- with a liberal bent outside of our country. Um, you know they're they're going to respond to the um, the personality and what they see in the personality of the president, and um, whereas I think you know a conservative person outside of our country will probably respond more to um, it, you know if they're looking at a president they're going to look at what they're doing and what. Uh, what the particular policies are. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of my friends overseas are more, you know, liberally minded. And it was really, you know, they were really shocked and appalled. Um, and, you know, that being said, um, it, it's hard to, you know, it's hard for me to sit here and say, well, the whole, the whole world thinks any particular way. Um, you know, because I remember, you know, I'm paying attention for, to politics for a while. I remember um, hearing people say the same things that you said, Len, about Jimmy Carter. And as people are saying about uh, Obama, that he wasn't respected, that um, he made our military weaker. And, and I'm not in a position to know if that's true or not. It's true. Um, and, Trust me. <laughs> and yet, you know, I have friends who were in the military or and they they say the same things that you've been saying. So I'm curious and I, I wonder what people who, you know, who aren't liberal um, outside of our country think of Donald, because all I hear is, you know, is from people who would have voted for Hillary if they could have. And um, and. It, they're really frightened. And so can, can, let me ask a question, you know, both of you. Yes. How do you feel about Brexit? Brexit's an interesting. Brexit's an you interesting know, you know thing. About Brexit. Okay. No. So it, I mean, to summarize, it was basically the vote that um, uh, England had to leave the EU. Oh. Okay. Yes. Um, 
And what's interesting is being outside and not directly affected by Brexit is um, <clears throat> it's really easy to detach myself. So very quickly to say what I think about Brexit is ultimately like and that's why I think, you know, everyone's perspective matters here is ultimately I think it's a good idea for England to be in the EU. But when you look at the reality on the ground, there are a lot of people who for whom they didn't like a lot of what it meant for England to be in the EU, in the EU. There were a lot of specific policies that were very upsetting to them. And there are a lot of people who then weren't affected by those policies and were affected by things that were really good about England being in the EU. And, um, but it was as much a surprise as Donald Trump was. Yes. Here. Yeah. And I think both uh, England and the United States have uh, clearly have similar media bubbles um, where um, the liberal and conservative kind of have their own, you know, you know, liberal media thought Hillary was going to win in November. Um, and uh, conservative media did not. And I think it was, the, you know, it clearly was the same in England. Um, oh, and so let me take it a step further. Yes. And, and how do you feel about Marie Le Pen? I don't know anything about her. I haven't researched her so at all. So Marie Le Pen is the conservative who is running in France against the, the Liberal Party. Yeah. And she's now even with, and I forget the guy's name, begins with M, that's running for the Liberal Party. But the same thing is going on worldwide. So if you look at what other countries are doing, number one, they've all been absolutely destroyed by the by the Muslim immigration. And they're not all Muslims, but they're, they're basically from Syria and from Iraq and wherever. And all these countries that took all these people in are now sorry they want to get rid of them they want to send them back and and so that's what's going on in france because france has had some horrible circumstances from you know the people coming in and ter ruining their their towns their cities their, their states so i think you know from my perspective i'm a conservative i would like to see marie, marie le pen be successful in france because it really is a worldwide movement then to get rid of the things that have been taking the whole world down and 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 another thing is we don't want to be europe <laughs> i don't want to be europe you know europe has uh, gone the way of socialism in, in uh, too many places uh, i'd like to stay uh, as uh, as america as you know as the beam of liberty for the rest of the world yeah. And, you know, listening to your response, um, it makes me think that maybe my question, you know, how do I think, how do you think the world views us now versus before is not as applicable as I thought when I wrote it? Because I, I think what, what we're, what we're seeing is, um, is the people who live, who are residents of other countries who I think would have voted for Hillary if they could have. Um, well, of course they're appalled because so were the people who voted for Hillary. Um, whereas the people who voted for Brexit, um, you know, probably don't see Trump as terribly bad. And um, and I think it probably breaks down that way through certainly through Europe. Um, uh, I don't have much as much of a read on like South America or um, and I think Asia and the Middle East are, are other issues entirely. But the United States, Canada, I think we can put in that group, Europe, um, 
Australia and probably New Zealand as well, probably all have similar movements going on um, where, and, and I would speculate that there's, um, and I've heard this from people like I have friends in the Netherlands who are amazed that there are, are now people who are what we would call populists gaining traction there. And it's, it's, I, it seems to be the same phenomenon. Gilt Welder, do you know who, who he I've is? I've heard his name, but I haven't researched him. Yeah, I mean, he's basically, and, and he gets a lot of abuse, but he's basically saying that uh, Europe and the Netherlands uh, have to basically do things differently than they've done in the past, particularly involving the immigration situation and, and what it's done to them. So there are people all over the world that are stepping up. And, and by the way, the guy who... Uh, who, who made Brexit happen in uh, in England, Nigel, I forget his Nigel last name. Nigel Farage, yeah. Yeah, Ni- Nigel Farage is a strong Trump supporter Yeah, because he believed that they had to do it and he, he believed that the U.S. had to do it. Uh, and by the way, what what I think is going to happen, I think it's going to all, all changing. It's all shifting and how it turns out, we'll see. Yeah. All right. So I just have a couple more questions before we wrap up. Um, um, and that is... Um, I've found when explaining this election to people who were outside of it um, that I've been saying that a lot of people were very unsatisfied with the status quo. How satisfied were you with the status quo in this country before this election? And Rochelle, I'd like to hear your answer first. What do you mean by status quo? By the way, um, you know, the thing is, is when we talk about a a presidential election, I feel like it's almost, it can be, at least in this case, especially, um, it's almost a referendum on how the direction society is going in or the direction the country is going in. Um, so the status quo could, could mean a variety of things. It could be how the government operated. It could be how our economy did. It could be, um, you know, the social issues within this country, all of those play a part in, in the status quo. Um, so yeah. How, how did how you feel? Co- how the country was going before the election. Yeah. How satisfied were you with that? Well, um, I would say mediocrely satisfied. I, um, healthcare is an agenda of mine. I'm a server. I don't get healthcare from my insurance. I make, too much money to get any assistance and not enough to actually pay the premiums. So reform in that regard would have been really helpful for me. Um, As far as, um, I guess, things that affect me personally, uh, housing, things of that nature, um, mortgage, like in uh, interest rates, um, those were at an all-time low before the election, and now they are uh, rising. So there was a, um, you know, definitely a satisfaction there, but knowing that it it was a, a temporary thing. Um, I would say that I lived in maybe what is a blissfully ignorant existence um, when it comes to... Um, the way that things could change or should change or not change. If that's a decent retort. Yeah. 
How about you, Len? How satisfied were you? Were you with? I was uh, greatly dissatisfied with what was going on in our country, and and the reason is I'm a constitutionalist. I believe our founding fathers did a great job. They were geniuses. They all put everything they had on the line, and some of them lost their lives. Uh, many of them lost their wealth because it was more important to establish the the rights of the nation than to be under the under the British rule at the time. So uh, when I see people defying, and particularly people in governmental positions, saying, oh, the Constitution doesn't matter. That really infuriates me, because it does matter. Uh, and they're not changing the Constitution, which can be changed in a legal process. They're just going around it. That's wrong. So I was very dissatisfied, and I'm uh, very happy to see now uh, not only Trump, but most of the Republicans that that are, that are being elected, and a couple of Democrats, not many, who basically say we're you know we're a constitutional government, and we're going to follow the Constitution, the rule of law, and uh, I totally believe in that. All right, um, I was very dissatisfied with the uh, status quo as well. Um, I I would say you know for. For years now, I've been saying to anyone who uh, who would I thought was open to talking about it um, that our institutions have been crumbling for a long time, and they they all need to be addressed. And um, I um, you know from education to or literal infrastructure, roads and highways to uh, the way our military operates to higher education to medicine, like. Literally every institution that we rely on in this country is broken in in major ways and needs to be addressed. And I didn't feel like was being addressed um, the way things were going before Donald Trump was elected. That being said, I don't share your confidence in Donald Trump. Um, I'm not. I, I wouldn't. You know, if I was forced to, I would bet against Donald Trump making lasting changes that would affect those things positively. I'll take that bet. <laughs> How much? <laughs> <laughs> that being said, there you know, there there's something about Donald Trump as uh, you know, as this has gone on and as the reality of him being president has sunk in and that is is I do think he he may be propping the door open to make those changes whereas they weren't possible before. Um um, because they just like they they were outside of of the way things were done. And one thing that Donald Trump has certainly showed a skill for is just not really caring how things that were done before. Um, and I think that aspect of him is good and something that this country needs. Um, I think another thing. To consider is that Donald Trump does not like to fail. <laughs> call it ego, call it pride, whatever. Uh, he has a history of being more successful than not, and he does not like to fail. And I, I, I don't think that'll get into his ego as much as it it, it is to his. I promise to make American better, America better, make America great again. I have to do that. I have to do that for the people, and I really believe he believes that. Yeah, you're probably right. Um... I'm curious to see how that unfolds. So am uh, I. <laughs> <laughs> the final question I have, um, at least on my list, is, um, it, you know, I just, 
it was yesterday, I believe, I saw a headline um, in, in the Wall Street Journal, or it may have been this morning, that um, uh, what really motivated Steve Bannon to get involved in politics was the 2008 financial collapse. And I just wanted to know from both of you if that, if or how that has played into kind of your view of politics in this country or whether or not you're involved or just how that, how that collapse has altered your view on the world, if it has at all? Not in a positive way um, at all. It's, um, I would say that that encapsulates how I kind of look at all of our infrastructure as a country just built on unstable things and all the like you just mentioned, being very dissatisfied with the status quo. I think that just with our the crash happening because it was built on things that didn't truly exist, um, I would say that we can't fund part of the things that we want to fund because there isn't a structure in place to pay for them. We can't um, have a, a good military because we can't pay for it because we can't tax people appropriately and I I I think that um we can move forward but it's it would it would be we would need a collapse of something to start over to educate because I think that like myself many people are um not willing to do the research to understand the positions they take on things the um they get all of their facts from one news source. They quote things that they think are truth because they've heard them somewhere. And um, I think that that is an epidemic that is in our country. And I think that if um, if we continue on in ignorance, if we continue on not addressing um, or educating, then we won't be able to get out of the situation that we're in. So yes, I would say that that influenced, um, it influenced me in the way to, to realize that not everything that you think is true is, is true. Len, how about you? How did that? It definitely affected me. I lost a lot of money okay. because of uh, the recessions in 2000 and again in uh, 2008. Um, and it was all because of some things that were done that didn't need to be done actually by Congress in, in easing, uh, loan capabilities. You know, they made it really easy for people to buy houses that couldn't afford them. And it, it took the whole economy down. There were a lot of other things behind it also. I mean, pretty complex. You're right. And, and, and I agree with Rochelle, you know, you can't trust anybody these days advertising, marketing, the, all the fake news that's around. And everybody, seems like everybody's greedy out for themselves. And it's, it's who do you really trust anymore? Uh, and I think, uh, I hope we can get back to, and I'm not sure we can, by the way, to being able to trust people um, who are basically doing something that's for their own good. So, so the the collapse in uh, 2008, I thought was horrible. I thought it, uh, it took our country down. Um, and, and some people are predicting that right now, by the way. Uh, I, you know, one of the things I said, well, if Donald Trump doesn't 
get elected, he won't be blamed for the recession that's coming because there are, are great uh, forecasts of some horrible things happening to, to the economy worldwide, not just in the United States, but worldwide. So, uh, yeah, the, uh, the crash of 2008 affected everybody poorly. I mean, it cost a lot of people, uh, and I'm one of them, to basically lose. You know, I ended up having to sell a house that's, uh, and I had equity in it that you couldn't get out. You couldn't touch it. And that house is now worth somewhere between a million and a half to two million dollars more than I had to sell it for at the bottom of the market. So uh, it, it was greatly affected. That, that's life. I mean, you know, your health and your family and that keeping everybody safe around you is, is a lot more important. But it definitely uh, had a, a tremendous negative impact on our entire economy and on our country. How did it change your view of the political landscape or did it change your view it did, uh, because uh, uh, I'm trying to think the two guys uh, that were responsible for for passing that law and uh, are you talking about Dodd Frank? Uh, Dodd Frank, yeah, the Dodd Frank law I think was a horrible thing to happen, and it, you know it, it took a, a great deal of the uh, of the blame for what happened with our recession. There were other factors. Uh, but it definitely changed my view. And that, that was one of the things that worsened my view of the Democratic Party and the things that w- went about to, to make that happen. Uh, and, and there are Republicans involved in it, too. I mean, you know, not, not everybody's saint. So I think it was horrible, and I think, I think we could have it happen again if we're not careful, and especially with people that— that's why I'm so for term limits is not let anybody become a fixture in government so that they don't care what happens to the economy as long as, as, as they keep their income and their power in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so for me, um, what, cause uh, you know, I had always like, I, I definitely grew up with a liberal mindset and um, I tried to, you know, spread out, but I always, you know, I always hear, you know, I always hear what's going on in that world. And for me, it was not so much that the crash, I, I didn't, the crash that happening didn't really disillusion me so much as the response did. And why it disillusioned me was because I felt like, and it, it I don't think I'm alone in this, like the people who really were, were responsible weren't held accountable. Absolutely. And, right. um, and what that did, you know, you know, just that by itself was a problem, but it was also a problem for the economy because when you allow, when you allow companies that make poor decisions to fail, that leaves a gap in the market for someone else who does business differently to fill. And that, that I feel like didn't happen is the, the companies that were too big to fail um, just the you know the, so the the analogy I made is or and I continue to make is that you know there's a reason why we let uh, wildfires happen is because they get rid of they clear out the old dead growth so that new growth can come in you know and so there's a reason that and that's why we continually have wildfires in nature and that's why people who do that stuff for a living consider that part of the natural process is so new stuff can come in and 
I felt leading into the recession, when it was clear that the recession was coming, that great, this is going to be a wildfire. This is going to get rid of the stuff that is kind of clogging up our economy. And yeah, it's going to be disruptive, but we were going to get to grow so much in the recovery. And what I felt happened instead was the people who, who already were secure financially just solidified their positions, even if their business model wasn't any good. And um, I felt like the people who got burned were the new growth. And, um, and that really, really soured me on the Democrats, the Democratic Party's ability to do what needed to be done. Um, you know, the, um, the old kind of the old Republican complaint about Democrats, about not being tough for the first time, then that really hit home for me. And it's not like I think Democrats aren't tough, but I understood now in, in that, you know, when that went down, why people felt that way. Um, and, and the Republicans weren't tough enough either yeah and that's true but it, you know as the democrats who it, at least it it seemed were if i remember how things went down that it was the democrats who were uh, running the show at the time when uh, all that uh, legislation passed um and it was about greed and self-serving agendas yeah i mean it really was and it was political yeah but I don't see that changing in our country either. Is I, I think that there's no there's no balance for that. If you have money, if you can buy your way out, then that's then that's acceptable. I don't. Th- I it is that way now. I don't think it needs to stay that way. No, I, I absolutely agree. I'm just, I'm saying that I don't know how how does one go about changing that? How do the non wealthy ensure that there's a system of checks and balances. That's a really good question. That's why we have representative government. We elect people who are supposed to take care of those that don't have the influence to take care of themselves. Supposed to, though. Supposed to, yes. It, not always done. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm big on integrity. And I believe we've lost so much integrity and the greed and self-serving agendas. Uh, I, I really believe if uh, if everybody were honest, we wouldn't have all these problems. The problem is it's too easy to be dishonest and without consequence make huge windfalls because of it. Exactly, yeah, and no accountability. And the problem is, and you know, this is one of the things that we could do another whole uh, session on is the the move that was taking place toward global government was very scary. And I believe Donald Trump personally stopped that. I believe his election personally stopped what was going on with George Soros and the move toward having an elite global government that controlled everything we did worldwide. All right. On that note, I think we can end the show. So that's the end of the show for today. Uh, I hope you got something out of this episode. Uh, If you liked it and you want to hear more, uh, go ahead and search for Night of the Living Geeks on iTunes and uh, watch there for future episodes. You can also follow me on Twitter. Uh, My Twitter is at EvansTruth no apostrophe. And if you just want to share your thoughts and feelings, that's the best place to do it as well. Uh, You can always at me or... um, Yeah, just start up a conversation.
All right. Thank you.